Tuesday Night Mystery Club. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday Night Mystery Club. I'm your host, Caitlin McCluskey, and today I am joined with one of my friends, Chris. Hello, Chris. Hello. So today we are, I haven't told Chris the title of the book, but he knows what we're doing today. We're talking about And Then There Were None, which is another Agatha Christie novel. Um, And it's one of her more famous books, which is why it's exciting. Are you ready to get started? Absolutely. Actually, I wanted to say, um, Chris and I play this game called, uh, is it Find the Alien on Jackbox? Something like that, yeah. It's, so this, this mystery really reminded me of that game. Oh, like you don't know who the bad person is or what? Yeah, yeah. It's you, you're. It's constantly shifting who you think it is. Oh. Okay. Twists and turns. <laughs> so the book starts with we're kind of getting introduced to the characters, and it's all of these different people that are traveling from different locations via train or car, but they're all going to the same location, which is um, this island called Indian Island, and they've also all been invited for very like different reasons, and almost it seems from different people. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of mystery surrounding this island. So no one really knows who bought it, but it's kind of, it's assumed that the buyer was this kind of mystery guy called Mr. Owen. Although there's other, like other like um, tabloids and like magazines have other ideas of who it is. But did, do these people know each other? No, they're not traveling together. So we don't, we don't know if any of them know each other yet, but it doesn't seem so. Okay. But they're all going to this mysterious island. Yeah. So we get introduced first to Mr. Justice Wargrave. So he's a judge and he's been a judge for like decades, his entire life. Maybe he started as a lawyer, but that's how people know him. And he's been invited by this woman, Constance Culmington, who he knows this woman as an old friend. So that's why he's going. And then we get introduced to a girl, a woman, I guess, Vera Claythorne. And she's maybe in her thirties. She's a games mistress at a uh, school. Mm-hmm. And she has been hired as a secretary for Mrs. Owen. So that's who she's been invited by. Okay. So, uh, so, so far, there's the just, Justice... Justice Wargrave and Vera Claythorne. And I'll say their names okay. again. And if okay. you okay. forget who they are, I'll, like, I can repeat that. Okay, cool. Then we have Philip Lombard. Um, okay. He's been... What kind of got him there is someone gave him 100 guineas. And all he was told was to be at the disposal of the owner, Mr. Owen. How much is 100 guineas? I don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) I assume a lot because he's been told absolutely nothing. And yet he still takes the money and goes. Mm, I see. Um, And he seems sleazy. Like he seems like he'll do anything for money. Or like, you Mm. know, constantly has a gun. Like those kinds of. Oh my goodness. That's what we're getting vibes from. But we don't know too much about him. And then we have Miss Emily Brent. She is 65. So she's an older woman. Okay. She has this, like, um, she doesn't approve of lounging. Uh, she's, like, very hoity-toity. Like, she's, she does everything right. And, like, she believes in God. And she's righteous. And everyone else is wrong type attitude. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, and she has been invited by an old friend to, they say that they've created this guest house on Indian Island. But, like, the, the signature is kind of, like, scribbled almost. So she's not exactly sure who it is. But they they had, like, these stories about her. So she's sure that she knows them somehow. She's not, she's not sure who. Oh, okay. Interesting. And then we have General MacArthur. So he's a general. He was, like, he was in... They just say he was in the war. I don't know if they specify which war. When was it written? In 1940. Mm. So kind of during probably, Second World War. World war so he probably fought in, like, World War One. Probably World War One. So he's 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 known as like an old war guy, and he was invited by this Mr. Owen to talk about old times. He's like kind of led to believe there's gonna be a bunch of his old cronies and war guys there. So he's okay. excited about that. Then we have Dr. Armstrong, and he's this like very successful doctor. Um, if I think it's like Harley Street is what it's called, and so that's like in London where all the doc like the famous doctors work and dentists. Okay. Um, my first my first episode that mystery I did with Charlotte. Uh, mm-hmm that was a Harley Street dentist. So that's, he's like super famous. Um, and he's been invited by Mr. Owen. They're not invited, but he's asked to come to give Mr. Owen a report of his wife's health. And so it's one of those situations where he's saying, my wife like refuses to see a doctor, but she's like, I don't think she's in the best health and I want to know what's going on. So he's, okay. This feels like clue. Yeah, it does. So yeah. So Dr. Armstrong is being invited in a professional capacity. Okay. Then we have Tony Marston, and he's, like, a speed demon. He's super young. Um, he only, like, cares about himself, like, that kind of attitude. Like, who cares what happens okay. to someone else as long as I have fun? Okay. And he's going 
he, he's basically he doesn't say this but he's going to the island to meet chicks and drink beer and like nice <laughs> so he's kind of been alluded to an old friend of his told him that like he just needed to get, get, show up to this island it was gonna be a good time mm. and that got him there and then finally we're introduced to mr blore and he blore. seems really strange yeah he's, it's confusing he's been for some reason when he's kind of the narrator's talking about him um he's been given everyone's names so he's he's the only one that knows who else is going to this island um, and while he's on the train heading towards the island, he's trying to think up like um, a fake persona and a fake name. So he's like going to pretend that he's from South Africa. And they don't, it doesn't say why. Not really sure about that yet, but that just seemed strange. Huh. Mm-hmm. So everyone arrives at the boat dock, except for there were two people traveling by car. That's Armstrong and Marston, the doctor okay. and the young Tony Ar- uh, Marston. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Mr. Bloor is kind of taking charge and he's chosen the fake name of Mr. Davis. And he okay. he's like saying, okay, everyone get on the boat. This is what's going to happen. We won't wait for the two driving by car. They'll come later. Okay. So he summons the boat driver and they all get in. And then at the last moment, they see Tony Marston driving in in his fast car. And everyone's kind of like in awe because he's in this like super sleek sports car, just like speeding up to the boat dock. Oh, what a cool guy. Yeah, exactly. So they get to the island and see this like beautiful house on it. Everyone was a little on edge because everyone's like, who are these other people? Like this, this is kind of weird. And when they get there, the butler, whose name is Mr. Rogers and his wife, Mrs. Rogers are waiting there for them. They get their bags, bring it upstairs. Um, And they kind of, they're, they're being asked like, oh, what do you like? Where's your master? And they're like, I don't know. We've only been here for two days. We've only, we were hired two days ago. By the Owen guy? By Mr. Owen hired them. But they've never met Mr. Owen. Mm. So then Vera reads, she's been Vera Claythorne, the younger woman. Mm. She's been brought up to her room and she reads, she sees this poem hanging on the wall that she thinks is cute. So I'm going to read it out to you. Okay. So the poem goes, 10 little Indian boys went out to dine. One choked his little self and then there were nine. Nine little Indian boys sat up very late. One overslept himself and then there were eight. Eight little Indian boys traveling in Devon. One said he'd stay there, and then there were seven. Seven little Indian boys chopping up sticks. One chopped himself in halves, and then there were six. Oh my goodness. <laughs> six little Indian boys playing with a hive. A bumblebee stung one, and then there were five. Five little Indian boys going in for law. One got in chancery, and then there were four. What's, what's chancery mean? I don't know. I just assumed it was something to do with law. We can, we'll come back to that. I can look it up. Four little Indian boys going out to sea. A red herring swallowed one, and then there were three. Three little Indian boys walking in the zoo. A big bear hugged one, and then there were two. Two little Indian boys sitting in the sun. One got frizzled up, and then there was one. One little Indian boy left all alone. He went and hanged himself, and then there were none. Uh. Pretty powerful. So that's that's where the title of the book comes from, and then there were none. Hmm. So I do, you're right. I am reading this poem because this is, it's foreshadowing. I'll, I'll, I'll admit you're right. <laughs> okay. Um, but so she, when you're, when reading the book, she kind of reads the poem out and it's like, oh, that's cute. We're on Indian Island. That's just like a kind of a cutesy poem to have that's mm-hmm. representing Indian Island. So Armstrong, Dr. Dr. Armstrong is the last person to arrive and he arrives in the evening on the, um, there's this guy, there's a, a guy who's been hired to drive the boat in. Um, and he's supposed to, the guy's supposed to bring in like bread and milk every morning. And so he's bringing the guests to the island. So Armstrong arrives late. So he, he gets there and he's greeted by Wargrave and Dr. Armstrong says like, oh, I want to greet my hosts. And Wargrave says, can't, you can't because they haven't even arrived yet. And so that's just like that tone of this is weird. Where are the hosts? Mm-hmm. So Bloor continues to kind of talk to himself about the job he's doing. So it's this almost like Bloor is narrating this guy who's taken on this persona as Mr. Davies. And as the reader, you're just going like, what is going on? So there's just mystery there still. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ev- it's just everyone. Everyone's alluding to the fact that this is very strange what's going on. So they do have a really nice dinner together. They all sit down. Um, the Rogers, Mr. and Miss Rogers prepare dinner. And then uh, they notice there's like uh, 10 little Indian figures sitting on the, the table. So again, they're like, oh, that's cute. Indian that's Island. Creepy. The Indian... Maybe a little creepy. <laughs> so they have dinner and then they head all into head into the drawing room for coffee. 
So when everyone's been served, this voice just comes out of nowhere. It seems to be in the room, but no one's talking. Mm -hmm. And it, what it does is it tells everyone, like, Bear Clay Thorn, you're charged with the murder of such and such on this day. And it lists through everyone and what they're charged for. And mm -hmm. everyone's in shock. We hear um, Mr. Rogers immediately drops the coffee tray. There's a scream heard from behind the door, which ends up being Mrs. Rogers has fainted. So they bring her in, put her on a sofa. Um, Mr. Rogers goes to get some brandy because that's like what you did when someone fainted. Right. I, I've never experienced that. I don't know if you have. Nope. <laughs> um, and then Mr. Lombard, he's like the sleazy guy that was invited by 100 Guineas. He discovers that there's an adjoining room with a gramophone in it. And there's been a record placed on the gramophone that was playing these, those like accusations out. Mm. And who are they murdering? Um, it's like it's all different. Or other people? They give uh, other people, no one on the island. It's all like, it's all separate and no one no one recognizes any of it um okay. i just not reading the names out because they don't they're not super important and it would just okay. be more confusing yeah mr rogers kind of admits that he had been instructed he had been given instructions by mr owen that while he was serving the coffee mrs rogers was to put the gramophone record on and he had it was labeled like swan song or something like mm -hmm. he just thought it was music yeah um so then Mrs. Rogers like comes to, she wakes up, they give her the brandy and she kind of seems to be doing a bit better. Like she's got more color in her cheeks and everyone's just saying, this is such a nasty practical joke. Like everyone's kind of going, that's not true. I didn't like, I didn't kill that person. What, like, mm -hmm. how dare someone accuse me? Everyone's upset. The judge Wargrave, he immediately takes charge and he kind of implores everyone to say what they know about Mr. Owen and how they were invited. So like if they have their invitation to like bring it up and tell everyone what is going on. Because he's kind of realizing, and probably so is everyone else, that this is this is fishy. weird. Yeah. So it comes up. It also comes up as everyone's kind of. I told you how they were all invited, but they kind of rediscuss it. Um, it comes up that Mr. Bloor's name was mentioned, but a Mr. Davies was not mentioned. So they're kind of going, Mr. Davies, it's is that your real name? So he's mm -hmm. he admits that. Um, he had given a fake name and that's because he had, he's a private detective and he had been invited by Mr. Owen or like asked by Mr. Owen to come observe these people as huh. this detective. Yeah. So now we're like, okay, we kind of know his, he had been a police officer for however many decades and now has like runs his own business as an ex-inspector. Mm. Oh, then this was really interesting. Justice Wargrave points out that all of the, whether they were invited by the Miss Owen or Mrs. Owen or Mr. Owen, the wife and husband's initials are UN, so UN Owen, which if you say as one word is unknown or unknown, mm. which was cool. So then the judge Wargrave begins to tell how, oh, he, so now they're getting into like how these murders they've been accused of. And, the Wargrave is like, that wasn't a murder. Um, it was, he was accused, This it's this um, guy Seton, who the judge had sentenced while he was, like, while he was a judge, the Seton case had been brought before him. Mm -hmm. And he said that the jury had convicted it, like, uh, the judge had given him his, um, like, remarks and kind mm -hmm. of said that he thought that the guy was guilty. And so then the jury convicted them, convicted yeah. this guy Seton. Mm -hmm. um, and the judge is like, but it was like, he was, he, he, he was guilty. So I don't know what's going on here, but it seems like general, the general public thought that he wasn't guilty based on the trial. Mm -hmm. Vera Claythorne says that she had been a governess for child, um, Cyril, I think, or it's C-Y-R-I-L. Cyril. Cyril. Um, so that was the name that was on the tape and he had swam out too far to a rock, like she, uh, to a rock and she hadn't gotten there in time to save him. So she's like, I did not kill this kid. I just like, like I couldn't get there fast enough. Hmm. Then General McMar MacArthur says that um, the guy, the name mentioned was a guy that during the war, he had sent out on a reconnaissance mission during the war and the man had died on that mission. But he's like, it was the war, like people died. Yeah. Then Lombard, the sleazy guy, he just admits to, he was accused of leaving a group of natives out in the middle of the forest and they had all died. And he just admits to it. He was like, yeah, they're natives. They're lesser people than us. Jeez. Sounds like a great guy. Not. Um, then Anthony Marston, the guy who came over in the car, he had ran over two kids that were playing in the street. And he kind of just went, 
yeah, like I I killed them, but like they were they were in the middle of the road. Like I I didn't see them or something along those lines. Yeah. But also it doesn't seem like a great guy. Um, Mr. Rogers, he says that they had worked for an old woman and um, she had died because they couldn't get to the doctor in time because the there was a storm and their telephone lines were out. Mm. Then Mr. Bloor had been the lead detective in a bank robbery case, and he had brought evidence against the man who was being accused of killing, who had later died in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like, again, didn't like I didn't kill him. And then um, Dr. Armstrong kind of says he doesn't recognize the name. He's like, I don't recognize the name. I've, I've been a doctor to a lot of people. But in his mind, not out loud, like in the, his mind's narration, he mm-hmm. says that he knew he was drunk while he was operating on this woman. Oh my goodness. Yeah, right? So this was maybe 20 years ago or something, like a while ago in his career, but he does remember. And then Miss Brent refuses to say anything. She won't even talk about who the name is. She's like, what is there to tell? Oh. So that's, yeah, that's everybody. Everyone like, is somewhat responsible. That's but... what, it, you get the feeling that no one, yeah, no one, no one killed any of these people, but they also, they were, they were around. And so. They were like all linked to someone's death. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's death. But there's no no like connection between them like no I would tell none of the deaths are connected. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, it's weird. So right after all of this, Anthony Marston kind of says with good humor that he likes a good mystery and this is going to be fun and he's excited for this like island trip, and he goes and like um makes him, makes himself a new drink and kind of downs it all at once and then he starts to choke and falls to the ground. So the first Indian. Yeah. So the Dr. Armstrong like immediately pronounces him dead and he kind of tastes like he tastes the drink a little bit with his finger and says that it's he thinks it's potassium cyanide that was in the drink. So everyone's confused because Anthony had poured his own drink and they test the two decanters with the alcohol and they taste fine. So they're like, it's not doesn't seem to be in the decanters. So did Anthony Marston kill himself? So they're everyone there is kind of like this. Did he commit suicide? And that's what people are thinking. Like were the were the cups laid out ahead of time? Yes. So he this was the glass he had been drinking from all night. Oh, I see. Yeah. Hmm. So they move his body to the bedroom, and then everyone goes to bed. <laughs> so then, oh, Justice Wargrave is thinking to himself about the Seton case, and if it hadn't been for him, the jury would have acquitted him, the man, if it wasn't for his summing up remark. So he's kind of thinking to himself about that. Um. General MacArthur, mm-hmm. the war guy, is also thinking about the man he accused. He was he's been accused of murdering, and it's a man. He's thinking that man was a lover of his wife, and he had found out about it. So this man that he sent on a death mission mission. So he's not. He's kind of almost admitting a little bit of guilt there too. Mm. Vera Claythorne thinks of the child that died and how she was. She's thinking about the uncle of the child who she was in love with, and she thinks the uncle was in love with her too. She was the governess. I don't think I said that. She was the governess to this child. So she was living on the property. Um, And she was also saying that if the child had been a girl, the uncle would have inherited all of the um, family's money. But now because it was a boy, the boy inherited all the money. Hmm. So the next morning, Roger wakes up Dr. Armstrong pretty early because he can't rouse his wife. And she is found to have died in her sleep. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. So when the rest of the household wakes up, um, several of them just go out to look for a boat because the plan is, is because Mr. Owen isn't there and they've all been accused of murder, they all want to get off this island. Yeah. And so they're waiting for this boat to come, but they don't see anything, any boats in the harbor. Um, and it's supposed to come deliver bread and milk, but it's all, it still hasn't come yet. Hmm. So I think it was like, um, it should have come at eight and it's now like almost 10 or something like that. Hmm. So after breakfast, Dr. Armstrong informs everyone of Mrs. Rogers' death. He was waiting so that they could, like, eat in peace. And um, Bloor is, like, taking charge of the theorizing, and he thinks that Mr. Rogers killed his wife to keep her quiet. So he's thinking Miss, Mr. Rogers knew that they had killed that woman that was told about on the tape and didn't think his wife could keep quiet, and so he had killed her. That's Mr. Bloor's theory. Miss Brent, on the other hand, says it's an act of God. That's her theory. <laughs> Dif- you know, slightly different. <laughs> yes. She's the old lady, right? Yeah, she's the old lady, Miss Brent. Okay. So then Roger says, yes, yeah, so Roger says the boat is over two hours late with no sign. It's, the winds are picking up. So they're thinking if it gets too windy, it won't be able to come at all. And MacArthur comes to terms with the fact that he's never getting off this island. Like, he's almost happy about it. He's like, I'm going to die here? I, he's like, I'm going to die here, and that's okay. So they, they like... 
Yeah, after just two deaths, he thinks everyone here's going to die, or just that he's going to die? He, so it says in the book, I think he thinks everyone's going to die, and but his, his life has gone downhill since the war. His wife died four years later, and he kind of, whether it's real or not, he feels like everyone's suspicious of him and hates him. So he's basically living as a hermit right now anyways. Mm. So I think I think his guilt was has been like setting in for like decades and he's he's come to terms with that his life like his life is coming to an end and he just wants to be at peace. I see. Yeah. So then Rogers shows Armstrong oh, Rogers notices that now there are only eight little Indian finger figures left on the table in the dining room. So someone's been taking them. Someone's been taking them. So then Miss Brent and Vera Claythorne go up go up the island, keep looking for the boat. Miss Brent really wants to get off the island. And they kind of discuss what is going on. And then Miss Brent tells um, tells Vera, she's like, I didn't want to tell this around the men, but that the woman that she was accused of murdering what had been her maid. And she had found out that her maid was pregnant before wedlock, which was... A sin. Uh, yeah, it's a sin, is what she says. And so naturally she had kicked her out of her house. She was like, you can't work here anymore. And mm-hmm. the girl shortly after had committed suicide with her by throwing herself off a bridge. Oh. So she's like, that's her own sin. She got pregnant and then she committed suicide, which is also a sin. So Vera is immediately like this is almost terrified by this woman because she's like, how can you just have no feeling? Mm-hmm. Um, Armstrong and Lombard go to discuss what's going on. Um, so they think that either death alone could be taken as a suicide, but since there are two deaths together, it suggests murder. So they're kind of getting this on the, you know, in the brain. And the mm-hmm. rhyme is brought up. And so if you remember, the first two were um, the first little Indian choked himself to death and the second little Indian overslept himself. Yes. So they're thinking about that. And then they decide to enlist Blore uh, the ex-inspector just help mm-hmm. them search the island for Mr. Owen because they're like if he's on this island we're gonna find him we're not going down without a fight yes mm-hmm. so Lombard shows that he has a pistol with him for the search and Blore is immediately suspicious of why do you have this gun with you but there, it's kind of a li- not overlooked but Lombard's like of course I have a pistol with me I get into sticky situations all the time so sure <laughs> So they search the entire island, like the outside of the island, and find absolutely no one. Like there's no caves, there's nowhere, there's, it's a it's a pretty bare island, there's not a lot of trees, like there's not really anywhere to hide. Mm-hmm. They also come across MacArthur, who's just sitting out at one of the like far points of the island, and he's just staring out to sea, and he's ass- acting like unhinged and kind of crazy, and he doesn't want to be disturbed. He keeps going like, stop talking to me, I don't have time for this, like I, I'm at peace here, it's like that kind of weird thing so they are almost like suspecting him they're like why is he acting so weird yeah like if we're looking for a madman who could murder people like this could be our madman Mm -hmm. then they just they go on to search the house and they search every nook and cranny of the house they find like an attic that they go into and there is no one there Hmm. that's weird so while kind of while this is happening have they explored the whole island yeah Okay. Yeah, they've been over the entire island. They, like, used a rope to go down. There was a cliff that they went down to, like, check if there were caves. Oh, so they, like, they, they were serious. They looked... They, they were looked very angry. serious. Okay. You're left to believe, like, there's not really much doubt that they have searched the island and there's no one there. It's, okay. like, possible, but they're they're trying. They're not. Mm-hmm. Um, so Vera Claythorne, she goes and sits with General MacArthur sometime after these boys have, like, gone by him. And mm-hmm. he kind of talks about how he's looking forward to the end and it will be such a relief. So he reiterates, none of us are going to leave this island, which freaks Vera out. And he also admits to her that he sent Richmond to death in the battle. Like he kind of admits it was true. I knew he was going to die and I sent him to, to do that mission. Wow. Mm-hmm. So he's come to terms with it. And Vera's kind of terrified of him because he's saying like, one day you'll feel the same as me. And she's like, what? No. And, and leaves kind of scared. So since they found no one on the island, Blore accuses Armstrong of accidentally overdosing Rogers, Mrs. Rogers. And Armstrong is like none too happy about this. He's fuming. And so there, this is like the three men that are fighting between each other, Blore, Armstrong, and Lombard. So Lombard's trying to like quiet them down and be like, no, guys, like, don't worry about it. Let's, let's leave it at that. 
So then lunch is called and everyone but MacArthur arrives, the General MacArthur. So Armstrong goes to fetch him because they were like, oh, we saw him sitting down by the water. And he comes running back, though, to say that MacArthur is dead and he's been killed by blunt force trauma to the head. Hmm. Also, at this time, they recognize the people sitting at the table that there's only seven little figures that remain on the table. Wow. Yes. So kind of uh, the judge, Wargrave, again, he takes up this post as leader. Kind of, you get the sense is like he's like speaking as a judge at this point. And he inquires if anyone could be ruled out. So he's asking, we can't look at who it is. We have to look at who it isn't. Like, like who, can we, who can we eliminate from suspicion? Yes. Who had no opportunity to kill any of these people? So it mm-hmm. seems that everyone had an opportunity to poison Anthony and Mrs. Rogers. Kind of as you were saying, these glasses were all left out. If Mrs. Rogers had died in her sleep, like anyone could have gone into a room while Mr. Rogers was setting up the breakfast table for the next morning. Yeah. Um, so everyone... You can't rule anyone out. Not that it was everyone, but you couldn't rule everyone out. Mm-hmm. And then um, everyone was alone for at least part of the morning. So they could have snuck up on MacArthur. Like it's kind of, and the the force used, they're like, even a woman could, or like a small man, like it wasn't, you didn't need that much force to kill this person. So again, okay. can't rule anyone out. Okay. And obviously no one's happy about this. Several people are like, well, it couldn't be me. And the judge kind of goes, well, I could say that about myself, but do you believe me? Like, you don't know anything about me personally, and I can't prove that to you, which yeah. no one can do. So then, um, I think throughout the afternoon, there's kind of different conversations going on. So Vera Claythorne and Lombard are discussing who they think the killer could be. And Lombard is like dead set on Wargrave. And he thinks this because he's like, he's used to playing God Almighty as a judge. He's used to holding a lot of power. Like, he feels like he holds everyone's lives in his hands. So I think it's him and Vera thinks it's Armstrong because he had the best opportunities for killing the people so far. Like he had, he knows about drugs. He knows how to like administer them. And he had given, he had given Mrs. Rogers a sleeping draught to go to bed. So they're like, he could have easily had that laced with something. And he was the one who went to get MacArthur for lunch. So he could have, while doing that, killed him. Mm, that is pretty suspicious. Yes. So then Rogers and Mr. Bloor are having a conversation. And Rogers kind of asking him, asking Mr. Bloor who did it, because he's feeling terrified. And Bloor won't say who he thinks it is, but he's he you kind of get the idea that he has an idea himself and he's calling them a cool customer. <laughs> if that gives you any idea of who he's talking about, like, you know. <laughs> mm. Um then finally. Dr. Armstrong is talking to Wargrave about um, how they're going to get off this island. And Wargrave says he doesn't have any evidence, but that one person is indicated. So he's kind of saying, like, if we can't get off this island, I know who we should watch. Mm. But again, he doesn't say who. Um, And then Miss Brent, during this time, she's been writing in her, she's just been writing in her journal, kind of taking notes about what's happening. So then they have dinner and they're sitting around after dinner and Miss Br- Brent notes that two of her skeins of gray knitting wool have gone missing. I'm not really sure what a skein means, but maybe a ball of wool, okay. maybe bigger. And oh, at the same time, Rogers informs everyone that the bath curtain has gone missing. And so that's also weird. It's like, well, why? Why do they need these things? The bath curtain and the wool. Yeah, bath curtain and gray wool. Huh. The bath curtain is red. So when they go to bed that night, you can kind of hear everyone double locks their doors. Makes sense. <laughs> so the next morning, um, Philip Lombard wakes up. Um, he wakes up at like the break of dawn, which he's used to doing, and then goes back to bed. But when he wakes up, he has this realization and immediately goes to wake up Bloor. And he asks Bloor, do you know what time it is? It's almost 10. And he said, no one's been wa- um, given like a wake up call or given their tea by Mr. Rogers. So where oh, no. is he? Yeah. So they, I think they wake everyone else up and then they, um, they gather the others. Emily, Emily Brent is the only one who's not in her room, I think. They find mm-hmm. her. She's been out for a walk in her, um, she's wearing her raincoat because it's raining. Um, there's okay. no sign of Rogers in the house. Um, and Vera notices that there's only six China figures on the table. Uh-oh. So they end up finding Rogers. He's been hit on the head with a big axe as he's chopping wood with a small axe in the um, one of the outhouse buildings. Yes. Okay. Sticking to the poem still. Yes. So Vera is kind of immediately in hysterics. She's reciting the lines of the poem and saying, asking about bees because the next line is like, 
talking about a hive. And so she's yeah. freaking out. And I found this funny, um, Dr. Armstrong goes and slaps her to like knock some sense into her. This is just common medical practice at the time. Yeah. <laughs> she immediately comes to and is like, oh, thank you. I needed that. <laughs> and walks away. <laughs> huh. So the two women kind of offer, now that both the servants are gone, Mrs. and Mr. Rogers, the two women go to prepare breakfast for everyone. And um, Bloor now thinks that it's Miss Brent. And he tells Lombard it's such, because he's like, she was outside. Like, she was up before everyone else. And she, she didn't tell anyone about the death that, like, she had committed or the murder she had committed. She seems so, like, they just kind of say evil. Hmm. So everyone is kind of like having thoughts over breakfast. And so this is, it's like the third, third person point of view, like the narrator. And um, one of the thoughts stands out. And the thought is the damned fool. He believed every word I said to him. It was easy. I must be careful though. Very careful. Wait, sorry, who said this? We don't know. It's just uh, the book kind of lists all of these thoughts in probably random order. And it doesn't say who any of them are by, but this one stands out. Yeah. So after the meal, Wargrave suggests that they should all meet in about half an hour to discuss what's going on and what their next steps are. Miss mm-hmm. um, Brent and Vera get up to like do the dishes and clean up. But Miss Brent immediately sits back, back down, citing that she feels like giddy and she doesn't know if she can, like she just needs a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and the doctor offers to give her something for it. And she like almost yells at him, no. Yeah. For this, you can get this feeling of like, she's like, you're not killing me with drugs. Right. <laughs> so we're close to 11, so we're just over half an hour now. They're all sitting in the drawing room waiting for Miss Brent. She's the only one that's not there yet. And um, Bloor announces at this point his kind of suspicion to everyone that he thinks that Brent's the murderer. He kind of like takes this opportunity. So they go to find her and she's still sitting in the di- at the dining room table, dead. And they nope. can see there's a hypodermic syringe mark on her neck. And there's a bumblebee buzzing in the window. Oh. So again, it's kind of sticking. It's She hasn't been killed by a bee, but sticking to that. There's a bee end. Mm-hmm. So Vera's freaking out. Um, everyone is suspicious of Dr. Armstrong because he, they ask, like, who had a syringe? And Armstrong's like, well, yeah, I brought syringes. I always bring syringes. I'm here. Like, I was supposed to be here professionally. Um, so yeah. they go up to look for his syringe in his bag and it's been stolen or so Armstrong claims. Mm. So then Wargrave suggests that anyone who has lethal doses of any kind of drugs in the house, like even if it's just aspirin, if you have enough of it, um, and Lombard's gun should be put together in a, like du- basically double locked and two different people have the keys so that yeah. no one can get at them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they go to get... I think Justice Wargrave had something, like he took some kind of medication and then the doctor had something and then they go to get Lombard's gun and it's not there anymore. And Lombard says it's been stolen, which again, everyone's like, has it? Yeah, right. But at the same time, why would Armstrong's syringe and Lombard's pistol pistol both be missing? They Like, would they both be hiding them? Possibly, who knows? So they double lock the drug, just the jugs up because oh. they don't have the pistol. Sorry, so a lot of things have gone missing. So there's the, the, the gray wool, the shower curtain the needle, the gun. Yes. Hmm. I think those it's those four things. Nothing yet so far, although um, I can't... There might be other things I don't remember. Okay. So the, the drugs are double locked up and the keys are given to Lombard and Bloor because they're said to be, like, the strongest people, so everyone would have the most difficult time fighting them for the key. Like overpowering them. Yeah, exactly. And, well, they immediately search the entire house. Everyone searches together, but the mm-hmm. gun is not found on the house. I don't know if they search outside, but I think it's kind of maybe implied that the gun is just, it's, they don't find it. Yeah. So that this, this is where it kind of, you know, everyone's super suspicious. They just all sit in the drawing room for the rest of the day. This is breakfast, right? Like they're just all sitting there together, um, looking at each other basically. Mm-hmm. And then around six thirty, Vera says she can't take it any longer. And she goes up to her room to uh like she's just gonna i think put cold water on her face and maybe her neck Mm -hmm. i should say as well um the generator hasn't been run because mr rogers wasn't up so the house doesn't have power so they've been using candles oh and i think it's a storm like it might be raining okay maybe it's just windy so she she's got her candle um her candle blows up blows out 
she kind of feels like she smells the sea and she's thinking about the the guy she'd been in love with and his nephew that had drowned and she feels like it smells like that sea like the ocean that she was in with the kid and she's thinking about hugo and there's all this like you know suspicion and guilt and things going on that she feels this cold clammy hand touch her throat and she just starts screaming like screams the house down Mm -hmm. so all the men rush upstairs to see what's gone on and they bring the candles and have this realization that it's just seaweed hanging on a hook in her room which is still weird there's seaweed terrifying terrifying especially in the dark when she couldn't see anything so they go to give her brandy everyone was all together right like up until that point yeah Hmm. so when what yeah exactly i think they'd all they might have left the room one at a time like to go to the bathroom and things like that so there could have been opportunity for everybody okay but the book doesn't get into that so i'm not i'm not totally sure when like i can't say anything more about it basically yeah um so they give her brandy she refuses it to take it from the first guy that gives it to her because the bottle of brandy was open so they go to get a fresh bottle of (laughs) bottle of brandy and open it in front of her Mm -hmm. um and uh, when they're doing this, they realize that Wargrave hasn't been with them this whole time. So they're kind oh. of freaked out. So they go to look for Wargrave and they find him sitting still in the drawing room. He's dressed like a judge. He's got a, his red cloak on and the gray judge hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been shot through the forehead. Oh. So they realize at this point that's the the hair is actually the gray wool. And mm-hmm. the red cloak is just the um, bathroom sh- shower curtain. Okay. So the judge kind of takes his pulse and like feels him and says, yep, he's like clearly dead. They move his body to his bedroom. And I think someone recites the poem, five little Indian boys going in for law, one got in chancery, and then there were four. Hmm. So just that like, you know, sullen mood. Yeah. So everyone's, everyone's standing around in the kitchen eating. They're like, I guess having dinner. Uh, they all, again, it's like this feeling of no one's going to prepare dinner because everyone wants to see the food. And so they're just, I think, eating out of like um, canned, like tin food. And while they're standing there, everyone has the same moment where they say out loud, I know who it is. I know who it is. Like everyone kind of says in their own way, yeah, I think I have an idea. And so it's you're just like, but who is it? Who are you all thinking about? You're not all thinking of the same person, clearly. Mm-hmm. So then they go to bed and they all kind of watch each other. They stand in the doorways and they all listen for each other to lock their doors. So, oh, so when Philip Lombard gets back into his room, he's found that the gun has been put back in his drawer where he, he had it before. So he's like, that's creepy. Yeah. Um, and then Vera also has like a crisis about the boy that she had let drown and the man she had loved. So she's still thinking about it and like, again, just clearly just like guilt and all these emotions. Mm-hmm. And Bloor is doing the same thing. He's kind of, he's sitting in bed thinking of the man that he had sent to jail, who had had a family, who had had a daughter, and who had died in jail. And he's thinking about, like, his, you don't necessarily get so much of the guilt that you're getting from Vera, but it's still that, like, he's thinking about it more. Yeah. So Bloor is still awake a couple hours later when he hears, like, a footfall outside his door. And so he goes to, like, listen closer and hears more footsteps. I think he leaves his room and sees someone going out the front door. So then he goes to, he, instead of going to follow them to find out who it is, he just thinks, I'll check all of the rooms and whichever one is empty, it's that person. So mm-hmm. Lombard is awake and says hello. Vera is awake. Armstrong does not answer his door and his door has been locked from the outside, not the inside. Oh. So um, Bloor and Lambert, Lambard go to search the island together and they tell Vera, like, don't leave your room. We'll, when both, with two, and hear both of our voice together then you can come out. But until then, don't do anything. Yeah. So they get back and they tell her, like, Armstrong's disappeared. He's not in the house. We've searched everywhere. We can't find him anywhere. And she's like, how is that possible? And none of them have an answer. Um, okay. I wonder if he went into the, o- I wonder if he went into the ocean or something. Because yeah. the fourth Indian had the herring. Yeah. I think I think someone's going to mention that. Oh, yeah. So the next morning, Bloor and Lombard are kind of, they're throwing suspicion at each other. Like, Bloor's going, well, it has to be Lombard. You have the gun. And Lombard's going, well, you're the only one who saw someone leave the house. We only have your word for it that Armstrong left the house. Mm-hmm. So they're going back and forth with each other. And as you're saying, Vera says the rhyme, four little Indian boys going out to sea, a red herring swallowed one, and then there were three. But she points to the red herring. So she's like, Armstrong's not dead. He's using this. This is a red herring. He's trying to make us think oh. he's dead. Arms, Armstrong's the murderer. 
So she's kind of, instead of looking at the sea part, she's looking at the red herring. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, and then they decide to go try heliographing to the mainland, which is where I think you shine like a mirror to um, signal Morse code. So they're doing okay. like SOS. Um, but they kind of, they get, they're doing that for, I think, hours and they get no response. And so it's maybe around 2 p.m. And Bloor says he's hungry. He wants to go eat something. And Vera's like, there's no way I'm going back inside that house. Like, I, I'm going to stay out here until someone comes to rescue us. Like, mm-hmm. I refuse. And I think Lombard kind of agrees. He's like, I'm not hungry. Like, I'm not hungry right now. And I also don't want to go back inside the house. Mm-hmm. But Bloor, Bloor, I guess, really needs food. So Vera and Lombard are sitting there. And I think Lombard kind of gets... She doesn't get Vera to admit that she had killed the boy, but he gets her to admit that there was a man involved. So that's kind of enough information for him. Yeah. And then they hear this thud. And so they go to check what was that. And they find Bloor is lying spread eagle on the terrace and his head has been smashed in with a piece of marble, which mm-hmm. Vera recognizes it as the clock that sat on her mantle that was shaped like a bear. Uh, so again, following big that bear. Big bear hug. Yeah. So... Lombard and Vera were together when this happened. So yeah, it's either Armstrong or some mysterious presence. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So Vera and Lombard, Vera like convinces Lombard, do not go back inside the house. That's what Armstrong wants. I think Lombard admits at this point, you're right. It must be Armstrong mm-hmm. um, because obviously Bloor is dead. Like it couldn't be him and they were together. So same thing you're yeah. thinking. Um, and Vera convinces him. That's what Armstrong wants. You can't go back in. And he kind of with some pressure agrees so they, they're kind of just walking around the edge of the island near the rocks by the water. And Lombard kind of says, what's that? Is that like a pile of clothes? And they go, like, they kind of try to get closer to the rocks and go like um, scurry down to the beach to f- figure out what it is. And they see that it's not clothes. It's a man. It's Armstrong. Dead. Oh, my goodness. So immediately. And does it look like he's been there for a while? I don't think it says okay but it it probably wasn't like any of these people that killed yeah it does look like a while because it looks like he's been washed up like he's stuck in the rocks it looks like high tide like went out and left him there okay so i guess yes a while but i like i however long that would be and so lombard and lombard basically says so we know where we stand now and vera's kind of like yeah i guess we do because they they think they're like there's no one else left on this island. We all, we were thinking it was it could only be Armstrong, and now he's dead. Yeah. So, so. Um, lo- basically, Lombard's mad, and Vera is exhausted. Is the sense of the two people. Mm-hmm. So Vera convinces Lombard that we should at least move the body up to past high tides. It doesn't get washed out again. And he's like, oh, your womanly sympathy, and but agrees to do it. And as soon as they've moved the body. I think Lombard like recognizes what it is and he's right. He goes for his pistol in his pocket and it's not there. And he looks up and Vera's pointing it at him and she, she shoots him. He tries to like lunge for the gun. She kills him. And she's then immediately engulfed with this sense of relief that finally, like everyone else is dead, but she has survived. She like, she's not going to die and just wants to go to sleep. So she goes up to her room and when she opens the door, she sees that there's a noose hanging from the ceiling in her room and there's a chair under it. Oh. And she just feels like it's Sir, it's Cyril, Cyril, the, the boy, yeah. Yeah. Cyril. And she kind of knows what she has to do. So she's reciting the rhyme in her head. One little Indian boy left all alone. He went and hanged himself and then there were none. Mm-hmm. So she slowly gets up on the chair. She puts the rope around her neck and she kicks the chair away. Oh. Yeah, so it's this, like, oh my gosh. And so, for me, the first time I read this was like, what has happened? So I'll give you a little bit more information, and then we can start talking about it. So that's that's all what's left of kind of the story. And then you have this epilogue where the it's the police talking now. Mm-hmm. So the heliographing had worked. Um, a bunch of, they're kind of saying that this Mr. Owen man had he had told all of the townspeople that they were playing this like survivor experiment. And so if they saw any like signals from the Island, don't worry about them. Like it's just a game, Mm. but these boy scouts had seen this heliographing of SOS repeatedly and the town kind of got was like, we should do something. But the, the water was too, um, 
like there were too many swells and it wasn't possible to bring a boat out so they'd only okay. be able to get out the next morning and when they had got there they had found like 10 people dead and so it's this the kind of the cops talking back and forth to each other like one talking to a superior and mm-hmm. it's all basically it's all information we know because we've just heard this whole story but the the main kind of new piece of information is that that we don't know yet is that Vera's body was discovered hanging from the ceiling, but there was no chair kicked underneath her. The chair was neatly placed beside uh, the wall. And oh. they kind of, yeah, they kind of describe how everyone else's bodies are found. So they find, they have no idea what's going on because they haven't been there. Yeah. Um, Armstrong's body has been pulled up past high tide. Even though like Lombard hadn't gotten that far yet. Yeah. Vera's fingerprints are on the gun and i think she had brought it back to the house with her the gun is lying kind of in the uh, in the doorway maybe or by the doorway of mr armstrong and they're just everyone is dead the way the people at Boone keeping diaries had said they died the only people they didn't know about were lombard vera and blore there were no diary entries about them so they're confused okay. so do you have any theories right off the top of your head that you think this is what happened um so if it was one of the people i wonder if and they found like 10 dead bodies like there's no one they found 10 dead bodies they got to the, they got to the island and found no one else the police found no one else i wonder if it could be like the boat driver like the guy that shuttles them back and forth mm. i think so you it's this idea of um the town is kind of all in it together and they say no boats went out so it's everyone watching so you probably he probably would have been seen leaving the boat dock mm. um how do you think, how do you think the first two people died? Like, what do you think, like, happened with um, Anthony Marston and Rogers, Mrs. Rogers? Uh, so this was, they both were, like, well, Marston was definitely poisoned, and yeah. Miss Rogers died in their sleep. Um, I think the police say that, because um, they are able to, like, do an autopsy on the bodies, they find that Mrs. Rogers had been killed with chloral something, so she'd also been poisoned. Okay. Um, I wonder... If it could have been Armstrong? I don't know. It seems too too obvious. It's it's really confusing, right? Because everyone has this different of, like, who it could be. And also, and everyone it, died. Like, do, do some people have, yeah. like, vendettas against each other and some, like, really convoluted web? Yeah. Yeah, is there something going on where they do know each other and so they were willing to kill each other? Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking there's, like, what... We, uh, well, let's talk about all the deaths. So we have... They're poisoned, and we kind of are, I guess, in agreement that anyone could have poisoned them. Yeah. Um, and then same with MacArthur. Anyone could have hit him over the head. So there's not much going on there. And then we have um, Mr. Rogers, who was hit with the axe. Yeah. I don't know if there's much information on who that possibly could have been. Like, um, was he hit with a big axe or a little axe? He was hit with a bigger axe. Okay. Which maybe. So what do you think? stronger maybe did it? Yeah. Yeah. It's possible. I don't know if the doctor ever, like, kind of says that anyone could have done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there might be that idea that, like, it, it all it required was um, uh, leverage. And so you didn't need to be as strong to do it. Yeah. So we have Mr. Rogers. Oh, and then, so Emily Brent. The old lady. Yeah. What do you think happened there? So she was found... She's in, like, the... She was found sitting. Or she, she had, like, the dizziness spell and then everyone left her and came back and she was dead. Yeah, so she has this dizziness spell where she's like, I'm giddy. And then she comes back and she's been, um, I think she's also been killed with cyanide, pot- okay. um, potassium cyanide. So like that kind of instant thing. But she, why did she feel giddy beforehand or feel dizzy? Mm-hmm. I wonder if, so could any of them be suicides? Like some weird... It's possible. Do you, Like who would you think would be a suicide of any of them? I don't know, like, I don't know why any of them would do it, though. It, it feels it feels kind of improbable with ten people dead that one yeah. of them is a suicide. Mm-hmm. Although maybe you were like, if I'm going to die, I'm going to go out my way. Like, yeah, like, uh, MacArthur was very resigned to his, or like, accepting he was, death, But also he was blunt force trauma. Yeah, he was hit on the back of the head. I feel like that's okay, a difficult that seems thing really to not do yourself. Suicide. I think they also, um, they don't find, they don't know what the weapon is. So it's not around him. So yeah, I don't think he's suicide. Mm-hmm. Unless someone, he had committed suicide. I don't know how, he, I, I don't know how he'd do it. <laughs> but yeah, I don't so, who, someone could have gotten rid of the weapon, maybe. they. I think they say that it's like, um, 
the uh, I don't remember what they call it, but one of those like life-saving devices that you would like throw to someone, like one like of those things is what. Yeah, like the ring that are like that the kind of thick foam. Mm-hmm. That's what they think he would have been hit with, but there's because of I guess it was a smooth hit. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, MacArthur Rogers, so Miss Brent, who's next? Uh, B. So. She was a uh, B, and then oh, the judge. Oh yeah, the judge. Who had so what the about him? Gray, the gray wool and the red shower curtain. Yeah. That to me, so when I was thinking of that one, I was like, that's so fast. How did they put that together? Yeah. Man, I got no idea. <laughs> would you like to hear the answer? Is it, uh, or do you want to keep theorizing? Like, are there any like, things I should be keeping more in mind? I, I feel like I could direct you to the answer, but I don't know if that's as much fun. Okay. Um, I think if you have anything on your own you want to talk about, but... Like... Like, maybe what it could you... have been... I was say it could have been Vera, but the chair was moved. So there's someone, like... There's someone, there someone else. They, is there someone they all wronged? Was it the postman or something? Like, whoever delivered the like, <laughs> really out of the blue like that? Something ridiculous? I'll, yeah. I'll tell you it isn't something like that. Okay, was it one of the ten? Yes, it was one of the ten. But they're all dead now. Like they didn't have they're all, they are all dead, confirmed dead. I'll also the police. The police are kind of like, how is this possible? It must be someone that got off the island, like had a boat somewhere. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. It was. Yeah. I, I think that was I when I first read this. My first thought was, "There's no way this has to be someone from off the island." I have no idea. Yeah, I think maybe just just tell me what. <laughs> it's 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 a it's a good one. So what happened was, so they get this. Um, the police, the Scotland Yard, gets this message. It's a manuscript document that had been found by a fishing boat in the ocean, and okay. so they they are able to open it up. And so basically, it just gives the manuscript, and that's your answer to the mm-hmm. book. And what it was is it was Justice Wargrave. He he kind of goes into how he's always wanted to be a murderer his entire life. Like the idea of killing really appeased him, but he okay. also had this extremely strong moral beliefs. So that's why like to go into law just seemed natural for him because it was yeah. making sure people got justice, but keeping his morals. Okay. And so he he starts to uh, throughout his career, he starts to hear these stories from people that are about um, stories of people who have like who, who are murderers, but who the law can't touch. So for instance, right. Dr. Armstrong, who- Who was drunk when he- He was drunk, but it's put, tacked up to an accident during surgery. So he can't be charged. Mm-hmm. Or um, the the Rogers, who he finds out, um, they, he, they hadn't poisoned the woman. She was dying, but they had the anecdote and didn't administer it to her, but that couldn't be proved that they had done it intentionally. Okay. So things like it's all. So he goes around collecting, and he kind of says he needed ten. He needed ten um, deaths, and um, what sealed it for him, and what made him come up with the story, is he had been to a doctor and been told that treatments weren't working anymore. He was going to die, and so okay. he he kind of comes up with this plan of like he can he's going to go out in his own way, and he kind of says I'm going to live before I die. I'm gonna, it's going to be exciting and thrilling. I'm going to get to kill people. Wow, just creepy. Yeah. And so the way he the way he did it, which is it's this is why it's so like I could I could theoretically lead you to the answer probably is that like um that that part we hear where everyone's thinking to himself and he says it's so easy, I can't believe he fell for it, mm-hmm. is because he's just convinced Dr. Armstrong to be his accomplice. He's told Dr. Armstrong, I th- like we need to we need to fake one of our deaths so that we can spy on everyone else and catch the murderer red handed. Oh. So he convinces he what it's it's easy. He sets up his own death. He just puts a little bit of like um I forget what they call it, but like red stuff on his forehead to make it look like he's been shot. Yeah. Um and then the, the doctor is the only one who's gonna touch him and say oh. that he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. So and the doctor is also he's kind of saying he's a he's an unsuspecting man, he won't know anything, and he knows me by sight because I'm like I am a judge and he's I think testified at some of my cases or something. Okay. He knows of him, so he's not going to suspect me, which sure enough. And so uh, th- that goes well, and they lay ju- the, the judge down in his bed, pronouncing him dead. And then what was supposed to happen was 
Dr. Armstrong and the judge were supposed to have a rendezvous at like 2 a.m. Which is why he sneaks out at night. Which is why Armstrong snuck out at night. Um, and the judge, he says, this is, I, it fit in with my rhyme. I was, the judge was the red herring and Dr. Armstrong swallowed me or it swallowed him or something like that. And so okay. he, all he had to do was they met at like the cliff's edge and the judge kind of made some like noise and said, did you see that? And like looked over the cliff. And when Armstrong looked over the cliff, he just gave him a push. Uh-huh. Um, so what Bloor, the first footfall that Bloor heard was the judge sneaking back into the house. And mm-hmm. then he pretended to be Armstrong and left the house when Bloor actually saw him. So then he kind so of wait, just so, in so, his so Bloor was the one that got Lombard invest investigate the person sneaking out. Yeah, and so Bloor legitimately thought it was Armstrong because um, because his door was locked from the outside. His door was locked from the outside, and he they didn't think they had were not thinking the judge is dead. They weren't thinking about him at all, and so Armstrong was the only one missing. It had to be Armstrong. Oh, because he didn't even check the judge's door. He just no, and I think. They, they don't say this during the book, but then in his manuscript, they allude to that they would search all of the, the people had been laid to rest in their beds. They would search those rooms when they were looking for the murderer, but they just like look on, they put like a bed sheet over top of the dead people. And so they just kind of like peek underneath, but they wouldn't like touch them or whatever. So all the judge needed to do is just lie there mm. and pretend to be dead. And so then he kind of says like, it was easy to drop the, marble piece onto Bloor's head and then it kind of worked out how he thought it would when someone is so guilty and so he just knew it was a matter of time before Vera and Lombard turned on each other and he had expected that Vera would be that resourceful to this okay to yeah. be able to take the gun and so he that's what he was expecting and then the oh. other thing that he was expecting was um he had, he'd let people die in the level of guilt they had so mm-hmm. Tony Morstan went first because he kind of was like he doesn't care he's never going to care about these kids that he's killed. So he can go first because he's never going to feel guilt. Yeah. And then Mrs. Rogers, he, he, the judge kind of had a feeling that it was Mr. Rogers idea and the wife had just been pulled into it. Mm -hmm. So he kind of, he was kind of letting them go easy in the sense that they didn't have to sit with their guilt for as long. Yeah. But Vera Claythorne, he knew would feel the most guilt. So he had saves her for the end. Oh. Um, and so that's why he, he just had a feeling with human nature that when she saw the noose and the chair, she would just go through with it because yeah. of how much guilt she was feeling and just all of that, um, which he was right. So then he moves, what happened? It was just, you never would have guessed this. So I don't know if, it, like, no one could, and it doesn't really give evidence to this. Um, he moves the chair back so that it, it looks, it doesn't look like a suicide. It looks like murder mm-hmm. or whatever. And then how he kills himself is, well, first he writes this letter that he puts in a bottle because he kind of, he kind of says that um, he originally wasn't going to tell anyone about it, but now that he's committed it, he feels like this, he wants someone to know about it. So he's giving, he's giving himself like a one in a hundred chance that someone finds the bottle or something. Yeah. Which is how it eventually gets back to Scotland Yard. Exactly. As someone finds this bottle and sends it to Scotland Yard. And so they hadn't, the... They hadn't solved the murder. I'll get to what he says the clues were that Scotland Yard would have been left. Um, that weren't necessarily left for us. Um, but so he he attaches a like piece of a really tiny piece of black thread to his glasses um, that's actually elastic. Okay. And he attaches that to he wraps it around the door handle and then attaches it to the gun. Um, oh. And he doesn't he doesn't ever touch the gun. He touch, he doesn't disturb the fingerprints so that they still have Vera Claythorne's fingerprints on them. Mm-hmm. He uses a handkerchief and then he shoots himself in the head, which as what he's saying in the manuscript, because obviously he doesn't know he's writing this beforehand, is that his hand will fall down. The gun will be elastic back and hit the, as it hits the door, the elastic will come loose yeah. and the handkerchief will fall to the floor. So he'll just be left lying in bed, shot through the head there will be like a little piece of black string hanging from his glasses that he's lying on top of. Oh, wow. That's um, elaborate. That, yeah. So I don't know if that could have actually that's happened. That's a long way to go. Like if he makes something suicide, then he tells people what's going on. Yeah. So I think he wanted, he wanted this murder. He wanted this mystery that no one could solve. And mm. so I think the idea of him telling it afterwards is kind of like, yeah, you couldn't have solved this by yourself. Oh, like I'm, I'm so clever. Sort of like, yeah, it's this like like that God all God Almighty feeling of like he is in charge of everyone's life. 
Yeah. So he gives, the piece of evidence he gives is that if the police were really looking, everyone on the list had actually, those people had died and they were guilty, except mm-hmm. for him. The set in case, the police would know without a shadow of a doubt that the guy was guilty. He was just a good actor. Hmm. But the evidence, like, I, they don't say what the evidence is, but basically in a court of law, that evidence was all, like, it was, it was enough to convict, like, it, it was no one would um, believe otherwise. I think also more evidence had turned up after the case had been prosecuted that even pointed even further to this guy being guilty. Okay. So um, the public might not have known it, but the police department would. Yeah. And then he says, um, I forget what the other evidence was. That was the, that was the main thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, the red, they, they, they might notice the red herring clue that Armstrong like was swallowed by a red herring. Yeah. And those kinds of things. But really, not there's not a lot of clues left. Mm-hmm. So that's, that is the full crazy story. Wow, that was wild. What a ride. Wasn't it? Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me to do this. It was really fun. Yeah, thanks. You were great. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. And thank you to all our listeners at home who, good luck. I hope you solved parts of it, maybe. <laughs> hopefully it did better than I did. <laughs> All right, bye Chris. Bye Caitlin. <laughs>